this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. So we are a little further along in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5 today. This morning I'm going to be reading beginning chapter 5 starting in verse 13. So I invite you to get your Bibles out or your Bible apps out and read along with me this morning. I'll be reading about seven verses. If you remember last week it was the Beatitudes. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Beatitudes are blessings. It's the Latin word for blessing. And Jesus begins his message by offering a blessing. But Matthew 5, on this famous sermon, begins with the phrase, when Jesus saw the crowds. And so I want to remind you again who these crowds are. And you have to go to Matthew chapter 4 at the very end to discover who these people are that he's talking to. In Matthew chapter 4, at the end of the chapter, it says, And they brought to him all sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them, and great crowds followed him. The Bible did not actually have chapters in it until the 13th century. We didn't have verses in it until the 16th century. Chapters and verses really help everybody to get on the same page, literally, when you're reading Scripture. But that's not how Matthew wrote the Gospel. This was one story flowing into the other. And so sometimes I think these divisions can can help be a little deceptive. And I think one of the powerful things about this particular story is when you actually think about who the people were that were going to hear Jesus that day. Who were the crowds? Well, they were hurting, in pain. People been knocked down or passed over by life. They are people that knew what it was like to be an outcast in society, and they knew heartache. And Jesus says to this group of people here in Matthew Chapter 5, beginning in 13. He says, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've come not to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore... Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
Jesus uses two images to tell people who they are, salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. The you in Greek is actually plural, so to be grammatically correct, we should probably say, y'all are the salt of the earth. All y'all are the light of the world. Now, the other day, I was working on this very message, and I, was, I got a phone call from my dad, and he was telling me something pretty serious, and while I was listening to him on the phone, I went and had one of the little snack, and so I was warming up some leftover soup, and I was balancing the phone over here and trying to eat my soup when I dropped the phone into my potato soup. And in my frantic chaos, I tried to grab the phone so quickly that I knocked the soup and the glass over, shattering it on the kitchen floor. And because I have the kind of dog that I have, when Junior heard crashing, he came running in the hopes of an afternoon snack. And I was shrieking because he very well would indeed try to eat soup glass if there was food on it. And so I was yelling. And meanwhile, my dad is hearing all this, wondering what he should be doing in response to this. I cannot push any buttons on my phone because it no longer works. And I eventually told him, hey, I'm okay. Don't call 911. I got the dog secured. We hung up. Uh, I cleaned up the soup. I cleaned up the glass, I went back to my laptop, and I thought, okay, where was I? Oh, that's right. Jesus was telling me, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth, Kara. And that's when I noticed that Jesus didn't actually say you could be the salt of the earth if you could just get your act together. He didn't say you might be the light of the world with eight hours of sleep and some coffee in you. No, he says, you all are salt of the earth. You are light of the world, as is. Salt in Jesus' day was so important. And maybe if you've ever tried to eat food without salt in it, you too recognize that salt is important. It was essential to life. It helped preserve. It helped heal. They used it for purifying. Its salt is woven throughout the Old Testament as being so important. Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt. That's where we get the expression, worth his salt. Salt was essential. It made everything better. Essential for life. And if you've ever tried to live your day without electricity, then you know how important light is in the world. When my brother lived in El Salvador for a few years, he lived in a very upper middle class neighborhood by Salvadoran standards, and yet uh, the electricity grid was not strong enough for everyone, and so you only had electricity at different times. You only had water in different times. And let me tell you, you made all your plans around whether you had electricity or not that night. Light is essential. Light makes everything easier. It illumines everything around it. With so much darkness in the world, light makes it less scary. And Jesus says, that's you. You are essential. You make the world better. You make 
darkness go away. You bring light. You are salt. You are what the world needs. Not on a good day, not on your best days, not when you have your act together. You are salt and light as is right now, whether you recognize it or not. Jesus says that there are some warnings, though, to being salt and light. He mentions that salt can go bad. It can lose its flavor. It can be so watered down and spread thin, it's worthless. And it doesn't do what it's supposed to do anymore. It doesn't heal or preserve or enhance anything. And when it comes to light, he points out that you can try and protect and preserve your light. You can hide it under a bushel. But all you really do is squash out the very light you are trying to protect. And besides, the problem is you are still in the dark. Light, he says, works best when it can be like a city on a hill, out for all to see, so the light spreads. The light spreads around for all to see. Our children's worship, where many of our kids are right now, it's such an awesome ministry. It's called Worship and Wonder. In fact, if you ever are interested in helping out down there, talk to Zach or Jody Smith. They sure would love to hear from you. But one of the stories that I truly love about Worship and Wonder, one of the things I love about it is that the kids, they really learn their Bible stories when, in Worship and Wonder. But this one story that's really more of a theology than it is a Bible story, and it starts out, and it usually gets told at the very beginning, and it starts out with the storyteller, the leader of the worship, lighting the Christ candle in the room. And the kids see that Christ candle lit, and one by one, the leader, the storyteller, takes a little tea light candle and lights the candle off that Christ candle and says, Wyatt, this is your light. Ryder, this is your light. Nora, this is your light. And I love to watch that because the kids' faces, they just glow. They get it. When they see that light spread around the room, they just know it in their heart of hearts that the light of Christ shines in them. No one has to tell them that. They just know their lights shine. And when we get older, I somehow think it gets a little tricky sometimes. We can forget, right? We can spend time with people who, instead of Letting our light shine, try to blow our little lights out. We can, we can be so watered down that we forget our purpose of who we are and who we're called to be. We can just get lost. We forget. We are salt. We are light. And I was curious this week about who you would think of when I ask you to think of people who are the salt of the earth to you. Who do you think of when I say, who's the light of the world? Who, who are those people in your lives? I asked this on Facebook, and I, I loved it because I was able to get private messages and text messages, and, and people commented, and it was wonderful to read. And I heard about people that are prayer warriors for you. 
I heard about people who have showed up for you in really hard seasons of your life, and you didn't even ask them to be there, but they were there for you. I heard about children's ministry volunteers and youth workers who love every single kid who walks through the doors of this place. I heard about church funeral meals and how God's love can come in the form of mashed potatoes and about people who stick around to do the dishes after. I heard about a grieving mother who lost a son to violence and yet called for peace. You told me about grandparents. You told me about fathers who quietly helped behind the scenes. You told me about teachers in your life and nurses and ministers and mental health workers and AA sponsors, salt and light. You knew who those people were in your life. And I hope in some small way that just by asking you to think about those people in your life, that it reminds you of who you are, of who you are called to be in the world. I did it myself this week, and I immediately thought of Eddie from my church in Tennessee. He actually died last year. He was a prolific card writer, caller, and texter. He constantly had a running list of people he was writing or checking on and praying for. In fact, I remember years ago when my own grandmother died, my dad called me a few weeks and he said, can you tell me who this Eddie is from Tennessee? And he didn't even know him, but Eddie had sent him a sympathy card. And one day I was trying to tell Eddie that I hoped he knew what a special ministry this was, how it meant so much to people. And he told me, well, the whole reason I do it is because he had gotten terribly sick. He was uh, spent a long time in the hospital. He had a long time in the rehab. It was a very long road for him. And he said, during that time, I had a stack of cards by my hospital bed. And on hard days, when I never thought I would get better from that physical therapy, I'd get a phone call from someone in church just telling me, uh, that they were praying for me. He said, I did not realize what a phone call and a card could do until I needed them. Salt of the earth. I think of Dave, a longtime volunteer at the food pantry in Tennessee. He served on the board with me there. He was a steady, steady volunteer every week. He hardly ever missed. And at some point, his eyesight began to decline. And he could no longer drive, but he would just hitch a ride with whoever was volunteering with him at the pantry that week. And over time, his eyesight got uh, more difficult. In fact, he was finding that he was accidentally putting the wrong groceries in the wrong grocery bags. And so instead of at that point saying, look, it's been great, I can't help anymore, he didn't do that. He just shifted the way he helped. And instead of doing the paperwork, in the groceries, he shifted to being the greeter and explaining to people what to expect when they walked into the food pantry. And then when he died, his daughter-in-law, about a month after he died, told me she had signed up to be a volunteer at the food pantry. And she said, well, I'm doing it for Papa. And you know, years later, she is still volunteering at that pantry every week, helping people to have access to food. Dave, the light of the world, light spreads. It's what it does. 
And today, there is joy in the house of the Lord because we have two who have decided to step into the waters of faith and get baptized today. What joy. Both of you have each had your own unique journey of faith that has brought you to this place today. Caitlin, you are the salt of the earth. Stacy, you are the light of the world. On your best days, on your worst days, on days you forget it, on days you deny it, you are salt and light. Jesus sees that in you. And I thank you for your witness to us all today because that's what light does. It spreads. And we all get to witness these baptisms and remember who we are called to be. To remember who we are and who we belong to as people of faith in this world today. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen.